Good morning. Um, what's going on? Glad you guys are here this morning. My name's Joshua. Uh, I'm the pastor here at Ethos HV. Thankful to be here this morning. Beautiful day. Beautiful day outside. Um, love you guys. You may not have noticed, but I've been gone, and it's really good to be back. Um, thank you for loving Leah and I so well. We had our baby girl, and um, thank you. Um, she's four weeks old, and uh, y'all, I'm never going to look at that QR code for a meal train the same. That meal train hits different when you got a baby. <laughs> Multiple times, Leah and I forgot it existed, and she was like, what are we doing for dinner? I'm like, fasting. <laughs> so, oh, wait, someone's bringing food. Oh, thank God. Literally, Lord, thank you so much. And so uh, thank you to, to everyone that has already brought us food, and, and for those of you that have already signed up and are, are doing that this week, uh, it's meant the world. Uh, and seriously, you're gonna hear me talking about meal trains differently now. Um, it's such a gift. Um, I miss you guys. I feel this like odd sense of like awe and reverence today. I, I was sitting out at, at Dragon Park at like 9.07. I was supposed to be in here a long time before then, but I just felt this like reluctancy to go inside. I felt like just, I don't know if it was, I don't know why I'm emotional, but I just, I think I was feeling the Lord and, and just like, I don't feel worthy to preach the gospel and uh, but not in a bad way, in a good way. I know by his blood, I, I'm good. I'm identity rich. We're, we're chilling, but it's just such an honor to do church together. It's such an honor to gather here, and we're so used to it. I think sometimes we can miss out, like something special is available here, and it's yours for the taking. And that's really what this morning is all about, is church family. And as we continue in our series in Philippians, we're going to be in chapter 2 today, covering verses 1 through 11. And today's teaching, you're going to have to discern very carefully with Holy Spirit. For some of you... Today's teaching is a pat on the back, a job well done, a keep going on, you're doing great. And for others of you, this is gonna be an invitation. Hey, today you're finally gonna make the decision to take advantage of what church can be if you choose to say yes, if you choose to invest, if you choose to see yourself as an integral part of this church family. So choose carefully. Don't assume which one you're in. You may have the personality that always assumes you're doing something wrong, and actually today the Holy Spirit's gonna say, hey, you've been doing a really good job at this. Look at you plugging into your house, church, investing in others, interceding on behalf of others, pouring into others, volunteering, all these things. Some of you are like, I'm doing a good job, and the Holy Spirit's gonna go, are you though? I feel like church is pretty low on that list of priority, and so we'll just discern together with the Holy Spirit. Um, I confess I am actually, this is not me just being sentimental and cute, I am bringing some dad brain into this. I feel a little foggy, and I wish that I felt a little more sharp and pristine, so like, just, just give me grace as we try to talk through something together, and uh, maybe I'll take a swing at this sermon again next week if I don't feel like it went very well. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna read Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11. If someone, we've been doing this just to kind of embody what we're preaching. We want to be together. We want to be a church family. We want to minister together. So in, in light of that, would someone be willing, uh, whether reading from your Bible or from the screen up here, would you read Philippians 2, 1 through 11 to kick us off? Someone, someone take it. Come on. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, 
consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Amen. God, as we dig into Philippians chapter 2, just as we started the morning with have your way, we just yield to your spirit, so give us ears to hear. God, help us, assist us to make this personal to our own life, to apply it. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Cody preached on, um, man, fire, by the way. Who was here last week? Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear Cody? Oof, I had some heat on it. Yeah, that was so good. He did chapter 1, 27 through 30. We had our weekly teaching meeting the Thursday before, and ever since that teaching meeting, hey, ever since that teaching meeting, I'm noticing stuff about Paul and how he writes to the Philippian church that I hadn't like really seen. I'd seen it, but I hadn't really like let it hit me. And I'm seeing it again in chapter two, one through 11. And it's right in front of you, but it's easy to miss. Let me just read what Cody read last week. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, okay, with one mind, Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now let's get down to chapter two. If there's any encouragement in Christ, comfort, love, participation, spirit, blah, blah, blah. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, all right? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. I don't know if you're hearing it. Paul is so motivated that the Philippian church, and of course I would say that the Ethos Hillsborough Village Church in 2023 is together, okay? He really cares. You gotta picture him writing this for it to really hit with you. You know, he's, he's writing very carefully. In my head it's a quill, some papyrus, and every word matters. He's about, to sh- he's about to hand someone and say, hey, good luck on your three-month journey. This letter's super important. And think about the preciousness of every word written, knowing the journey it's gotta go through to get to the Philippian church. So every word Paul says is on purpose. It's not like me. I externally process 30% of what I say. I didn't really mean it. I just had to figure it out. That's not what's happening with Paul. Everything he says, it's intentional. So sometime today, like go read 127 through 211 and watch how many times he's going, we, one mind, one spirit, side by side, 
There's something about church unity. There's something about the local church that he goes, it's a total non-negotiable. It is of top priority. This church community should be high, high, high on your priority list, okay? I started thinking, controversial phrase, is there room for the church to actually be a touch more exclusive? Now, I just offended everyone in the room, including myself, because the last thing we need is churches that operate like country clubs. There's a code of conduct, a dress code. If you don't look the part, sound the part, you don't belong, right? So please hear me. That's not us, I pray. It probably is us in some ways that we need to confess and repent, but hopefully that's not who we're trying to be. But journey with me here. I was thinking about this conversation I had with a pastor friend of mine, much smarter than me, about Matthew 25. There's this story where Jesus says, at the end of the age, I'm gonna gather my people, or or I'm gonna gather people before me, and I'm gonna begin separating them. Sheeps, sheeps, that's not right. (laughs) Sheep from goats. It's a really intimidating passage, just, we're not gonna sit on it very long, so we're just gonna say something intimidating and just skate right on past it, but he says, to those that saw me naked or a stranger or hungry or thirsty or in prison and you didn't attend to my needs, I'll say I never knew you, depart from me. And they'll say back, when did we ever see you? When did that ever happen? He goes, well, when you did this to the least of these, you did it unto me. And to the sheep will say, when you saw me and all those things, you met my needs, you cared for me, enter my, well, when do we do that, Lord? When you did it to the least of these and you read it and, and you feel this weight, this like, oh my goodness, I gotta go take care of every poor person, every sick person, every prisoner, every, and you should, you should be going, okay, first thoughts, a lot of weight, a lot of pressure. I'm not gonna dig into this very much, but apparently there's a strong case, the more you dig into this passage, the more that what Jesus is communicating is, the poor and the sick and the stranger and the prisoner that are of your faith, your brothers and sisters of the faith. I'll dig into that later and if I'm wrong, I'll come and correct it. But I really trust the guy and and the conversation we had about this, this text. And so even in that passage, there's a strong argument that Jesus is saying, take care of your own. If you're looking to meet a need, look to your own. If someone among you is struggling, if someone among you needs help, take care of it. And if you don't do that, you're totally missing who I am. You're missing my character. So when you think about it, the story of Jesus and Paul and the the birth of the church, it seems like the only shot at us being a church that's alive is if we make ourselves a top priority, this community a top priority. And this is really what I mean by exclusive, it means that it has your attention. That when you're asking yourself like, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm pretty sure I should be serving somewhere. Maybe, I won't say the first, let's just for now until I have more certainty, say tied for first. If you're looking for a place to serve, Ethos HV should be on your radar. If you're going, how can I meet a need? How can I care for someone else? One of the first places you picture is this church family. This is one of the first places you go, I'm investing my time. The gifts I have, I'm giving them here. I'm selflessly serving in this area. 
And I want you to think about this thought process with me a little bit longer. So Jesus, think about it. When he comes to earth, we know this, he calls disciples, like no kidding. But think about it. Every chapter, Jesus might be in a new town, ministering to new people, but who's always with him? The disciples. That's what I mean by priority. It's not like prioritize church at the expense of evangelism. Obviously, I hope that's obvious. It's not prioritize church at the expense of seek and save the lost, but it is just prioritize church. And Jesus says this to his disciples, let this marinate, just soak in it, pruny fingers. John 13, to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. That is not this vague, like, hey, love. That's what God's all about. Just love everyone. Blanket, vague, weird statement. Now, that's true, love everyone, but Jesus is going, no, 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 I'm, no, specifically. You guys are giving your life for me. Have each other's back. Serve each other, encourage each other, pray for each other, cry together, like love each other. And how you love each other, how robust and beautiful and deep and real that love is, that will tell other people they know something I don't know. Or maybe they know someone I haven't met before. Something's in them that's not in me. The way they're doing things is like special. I think that's what Jesus is getting at. Let's get more specific. Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. This is the record of the first church. 3,000 people get saved. That's so turned up. That's crazy. Imagine that moment. And what do they do as a result? They break bread. They read scripture. They sell their belongings so that they can give money to anyone that has need within their church. So there's this like radical love, this radical love for the gospel, for praising, for singing hymns, for eating dinner together, for giving to each other, like the way they were thinking about each other. If you have a need and I can meet the need, the thought process is over, it's done, the need is met. Here's how the verse ends. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. So this is not like a self-seeking sort of love. Like, I love this church because we just love each other and we're high and tight and no one else is really, they're kind of welcome, but not really. It's like you're pseudo welcome, but you know, not really. At the end of the day, it's us. That's not the vision of a church loving each other like this. There's something mysterious and miraculous when a church comes alive and gives their lives for one another as they follow Christ. Salvation becomes normative. Y'all, Secret, I'm gonna tell it. I never said this before, I'm just kidding. I wanna see salvation. I want it to be normal. Why is salvation outdated? That's really weird. If we wanna see salvation in a really odd way, but according to scripture, it starts with how you are loving the people in this room. I threw a diaper party a few weeks ago. A diaper party is just a cool way to get my friends to buy me diapers <laughs> so I don't have to pay for them. It helps you through budget. And um, so I threw a diaper party 
And it was, if you wanna know Joshua Soloway, I had the quintessential day. This moment totally captures everything I love. There was Christian rap playing. We played water pong for two reasons. I have addiction issues and I have autoimmune disease, so I can't really do alcohol. <laughs> so water pong, and I'm real good, like real good, like try me, right? And then uh, March Madness was on in the background. All my guys are here. We're squatted up like big time. We're deep. So we eat pizza. Well, I don't eat pizza, <laughs> gluten and dairy free, but I give them pizza. So I pay $70 for pizza so they can give me hundreds of dollars of diapers. It's a good trade. We play games. I win the tournament. March Madness in the background. And then we spontaneously gather around and pray. And then while we're doing that, I'm like, oh my goodness, I would love to have every guy here write a letter to my daughter and just pray over her life. So we do that. My dad preaches an impromptu sermon. He's crying. I'm crying. It's a mess. It's just this beautiful moment. One of my friends who's been a little distant from church, I won't speak for his faith. I have my guesses, but he was there. Most people had trickled out. I didn't even know where he was. Apparently he was upstairs writing the letter in the nursery, which I'm like, okay, that's pretty cute. You had to go to the nursery to kind of get in the moment. No baby was there yet. And uh, he comes down and he's just weeping for two reasons. One, he's like, I can't believe my guy is having a baby. This is surreal. Like, how, how is this possible? We met freshman year of college. Like, what happened to us all of a sudden, you know? But the second thing he said was, I got to get around men like this. What is this? Can I remind you what we did? Water pong, Christian rap, March Madness, 15 minutes of prayer. Wasn't that special, but it was right? That's church. A bunch of dudes bringing diapers to a guy that's not ready to be a dad, like praying together, like, Lord, please don't help me mess this up. My dad inspiring me. We felt the Holy Spirit in that living room. There wasn't a house church leader. It wasn't like something really organized and structured. It was just Guys that have invested in each other for years and the spirit was in us and we love each other and we're vulnerable with each other and we encourage each other and we pray together. And out of all that, someone that feels far from God is weeping going, I gotta get back to this. That's church. That's what's available. So this got me thinking. Church really is super unique. We're so used to it, we miss it. But like, guys, it's hard to find groups of people doing this. They're not just like everywhere, right? Maybe in some religious circles, but like church is pretty sick. There's not many groups that go, hey, let's all get together, surrender our life for the glory of the Lord. And then instead of being selfish, let's listen to each other provide needs, hug each other, intercede for each other, give gifts to each other, and if anyone has a need, let's meet those needs. Guys, that's crazy. Who's doing that? We're all in agreement. Taylor Swift's in town, thousands of people. We're never, ever, ever getting back to, that's the only song I know. We're all singing loud, this is amazing, and we're all in agreement, but then we go home, never to see the group again. You can get 50,000 people into a football stadium. 
to all cheer because some dude carried some ball across some line and we got some points and everyone's like, yes, he carried the ball across the line. Ah, yeah. But the game ends and you go home. The season even ends. We might all gather at a bar on a Friday night. We're all in agreement. Two drink minimum. Let's get at least tipsy. Let's laugh. Let's have fun. And maybe I'll even meet my soulmate. And even in that group, it's self-indulgent. The church is so unique in what makes it what it is. A group of people going, I'm a mess, but in the name of Jesus, I've been healed and restored and I'll walk with God. And he's so good to me that I don't look to you to fill my cup. I look to you to overflow onto you. I get my blessing from the Lord and then I bless you in return. Think about the beauty of a group of people robustly walking in that kind of identity. I don't need you to help me. If you do, that's it. Well, actually, no, I'm getting excited. I'll take it back because I need you to ask for help if you need help. (laughs) But a group of people that goes, I have gotten my gift, my cup filled from the presence of God. And when I step into this space, I'm looking to be a blessing. I'm looking to serve. Back to my notes. I think what Paul is saying here, hey, Philippian church, hey, ethos HV, don't treat something that is special and unique as if it is ordinary and commonplace. Don't do that. A church is not intended to be a casual or cultural thing. A church is not supposed to be something that because you were born somewhere and raised by those parents, you just kind of show up. Say, no, 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 no. The Philippian church much easily, much more easily understood this because to bear the name of Jesus could kill them. So Paul don't even really got to explain it. They kind of already get it. Hey, if you got a brother or sister in your vicinity that is risking it for Christ, you better have their freaking back. Why would you not? People are dying. People are being arrested. If you got a brother or sister that is so faithfully and boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus, y'all better break bread. Y'all better hug. Y'all better ask for, pray for boldness. That stuff's not gonna come man-made. Like you need the spirit and you need each other. But in our day, this is actually in a weird way a taller task. In 2023, we're plagued by individualism. The algorithm has targeted our tendency to only think about ourselves, our preferences, and our impulses. Like in the Amazon Prime same-day delivery era, we fall into this trap of church being a matter of preference. Did today fulfill me? How did I feel about the sermon? Were my desires met? And then once the gathering concludes, we go on with the rest of our lives. That's why I started getting called a church service. Not a good word for what church is. Just FYI, not your waiter. (laughs) This is a community. Today is an invitation to move from church service being a matter of preference to the church community being a matter of priority. Going from I and my to we and our. 
I've got a pet peeve and it hasn't even happened yet. But in my head, there's this scenario where Leah calls Leona my daughter. Like she says, oh, this is my daughter. And I'm gonna be like, hey, you do 80% of the work, but it's our daughter. (laughs) I'd breastfeed her if I could. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Just picture. Um, But you know, like, When's the last time you called this our church? Whose church is this? First Jesus, but it's our church. This is not my church. I don't own this church. This is us. This is we. This is our. But what do we got? A bunch of little silos. A bunch of little my church pockets. Guys, we, this is a family. Look around. I need you to be weird. Look around. This is your family. Like if you follow Jesus, okay, if you are surrendered to Jesus and you call this place home, this is your family. This is us. Good TV show. Watch the first season. And none of this is to shame us because we're actually growing so beautifully. I see so much potential. I just feel that if Paul was here today, he'd go, hey, you are like just getting started. There's a lot in front of you. Like, if you'll invest, if you'll have eyes to see, if you'll listen to Holy Spirit, this thing, right now it's a little seed, a little green leaflet just sprouting up above the soil, but it's intended to be a freaking redwood that a car can drive through. Like, dude, God's got plans for this space. Paul says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, that's a rhetorical question basically, because really what it means is, since there is, since there is encouragement in Christ, since there is participation with the Holy Spirit, just the Holy Spirit in you, okay? Since there is affection and sympathy, could be translated compassion and mercy that is received by Christ's life, death, and resurrection. He says, complete my joy. Okay, we're almost there. Joy 95% complete. Complete my joy by being of the same mind and the same love. And don't do anything. Guys, if we just obey this instruction, we're golden. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. When you walk through those really tall, beautiful doors, And you're two things, a follower of Jesus, and you call Ethos HV your church home. This is the standard. This is an instruction to you. Not like a, you know, just take your time, just develop. Like, no. If you are surrendered to Christ, if Christ gave his life, saved you, and this is home, you walk through those doors, you walk in a servant. You don't walk in there going, what do I need? Someone better meet that need today. Or this may not be my home. That worship set, eh. The acoustics, I feel like they didn't dial in the speak. Like, no. No one does that, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, y'all are musicians, so I try to speak your language. <laughs> I don't know what y'all think about. Um, anyway, so how do we do this? What does it look like? Paul says, 
have this mind among yourselves, which is already yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, hey, Christ already did this. So we're not leaving like this, like a huge vague mystery where it's like, okay, I'm supposed to be better, but like, what do I, you know? He goes, be like Christ. Christ has already set the standard. And so he maps it out. And in verses five through 11, he writes what is believed to be the first ever Christian hymn. Now picture this, there's no New Testament yet. This hymn might've been one of their only like spiritual compasses in their life. How do I live? Sing that hymn. What did Christ do? So just imagine, you don't got nothing to read. There's no my utmost for his highest. There's no AirPods like, oh, gotta listen to John Tyson. He's all, he always preaches awesome. Like, it's just this hymn on replay over and over again that you have to sing for yourself and pray for yourself. First thing I see in Jesus in this hymn is that he lays down his status. He says, though he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Jesus left the glory of heaven, the comfort, the convenience, the preference of heaven. Why? So that we could experience the love and kindness of God. We know this. So as I am, as I am inviting you to invest in this community, I need you to be aware of something, a stumbling block in your way of this community taking root in your life and you being a contributor to this community is convenience, comfort, preferences. We as a culture are losing the competency to invest in and appreciate people different than us, which is wildly ironic, given what our culture yells about all the time. We have phones that target our exact desires with sniper precision. And it's training us to only desire exactly what we desire with no real flexibility. So it makes it harder for us to appreciate different personalities, different hobbies, different mannerisms, different love languages, different passions, different culture, different race. Because we're so prone to having our needs tailored, not even our, not our needs, our wants, our just selfish, that feels good wants, met at an instant. Don't underestimate, you are beginning to lose the competency of being flexible when someone's different than you. You'll sit in a house church, someone will tell a story that makes you feel awkward and it went a little too long and you have already chalked them off as someone that will never be your friend. And you would never say it that way, but you will live it that way. That's where we're at in culture. I know I'm being hyperbolic, but it's to make a point. And maybe I'm not, maybe I do that. Mirror, ha, you know, it's me. I was the enemy the whole time. We must model Jesus. He was so good at being around people not like him. Name one person that was like him that he was friends with. No one. Everyone Jesus was friends with was not like him, Jesus. If what you say is true, and there is something beautiful in our future if we invest, will you help me to stop being so selfish with what I expect out of people? 
Maybe the difference in their story, the difference in the culture they grew up in, the family they grew up in, like, maybe that's there to like round you out a little bit better. You ever think of that? If you don't think that's true, don't get married. You're gonna hate that. Unless you marry yourself and you're gonna hate that more. I meant like marry someone just like you. Not actually, you're be an odd ceremony. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> to me. All right. Invest in the community here. And beware of the stumbling blocks of your personal comfort and your convenience and how effortless conversation with that person was. If it wasn't effortless, welcome to friendship. Let's be the friends that go, okay, that person's a jock and I'm more of a nerd and that's not gonna stop me. That person's more introverted in type A, I'm more extroverted in type B and I'm gonna invest in that person. I'm gonna pray for that person. I'm gonna get to know that person. And over time, watch what happens to the love in your heart. It will grow. That's kind of the lie about cultural love. We're used to love wooing us all the time. No, love is built. Love is invested in. Love is you sacrificing your time. Love is you going, I'm hanging out with you for the next year and we're gonna make this thing work. I'm tangenting. Number two, Jesus was a servant. It says he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Put simply, Jesus saw our needs, our, our needs as his needs. When Jesus looked at you and saw your need, he said, that's my need. If you need it, I need it. If you need it, I'll meet the need. This is what Mark Acts 2 so a great question, if you were going, I wanna be, be a more committed church, church member, I wanna really invest. A great question is, what are the needs around me? Who needs a hug? Who needs a prayer? Who needs me to leave the seat I'm sitting in, go to a different row, sit with someone I haven't met, just to let them know I'm a friend if you need one? absolutely bamboozling. Who needs someone to be listened to? Listen, listen. is that how you say it? Brain, my brain. Guys, there's a disease spreading rampantly in our world. We're losing the skill of listening. So much so that when someone asks me a third or fourth question, I'm like, you want me to keep talking? Hey, how's the baby? Blah, 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 blah. Well, what about this? Blah, blah, blah. Well, what about, I'm like, are you seriously this interested? <laughs> this feels like friendship. That can't be right, you know? <laughs> you ever been listening to someone and, and as they're talking, you have to train yourself not to make it about you and your response? Everything they're saying, you're like, oh, I've done that before. Oh, I felt that before. Here's my, here's my version of what you did. That's not listening, dude. Let's be a church of good listeners. And when you're listening, you're not listening for your own sake. You're not listening to get something out of it. You're not listening to be entertained. You're listening to bless. You're listening with the spirit of curiosity. You're listening going, God, man, is there a place where I can bless this person? Is there a way I can encourage this person? Or maybe you're just listening because I wanna get to know you better for your sake. Another tangent. When Paul says, 
strive side by side in chapter one. I know I'm going long. We'll, we'll fast forward this last part. Um, when Paul says strive side by side, think about what that word means. Don't let the word strive pass you by. What's striving? That's like just enough to be a touch stressful, right? Striving is I'm gonna go run a mile and three quarters of the mile in, you're like, I think I'm done running a mile. That last quarter, that's striving. He goes, strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. Push yourself, stretch yourself for your neighbor, spur them on. Guys, leave your comfort zone and help spur this person on to be more like Christ, to grow in their relationship with Jesus, to cement their identity as a son or daughter of God, to evangelize to the lost, like strive side by side. Let's be a church that strives. Like, I don't just casually, like, be nice to people that make sense to me. Like, now I'm working hard to help my brothers and sisters in this community come alive. That's how I serve this church. Number three, Christ lived with a posture of surrender. It says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was fully surrendered to the will of God. And in order to be surrendered to the will of God, Jesus had to be in tune with the voice of God. When he goes to that garden of Gethsemane, Abba, Father, take this cup from me. That's dialogue. And when God didn't take the cup, he took the cross. That's surrender. Let's be a people that surrender to the voice of the Lord. And if you need a place to start practicing this, do it here. Every Sunday morning, put a reminder on your phone at 9.08, which is usually when you arrive, even though technically we start at 9. Hey, reminder. Oh, my phone, I gotta put it on. Ask Holy Spirit if there's anything he's trying to say to you. God, is there anything you're trying to speak to me? I surrender to it. The answer is yes. God, is there anyone that you're wanting me to bless, intercede for, hug, talk to? Whatever it is, I surrender to it. I say yes. Let's be a people led by the Spirit for the glory of God and for the good of this church. Last thing, then communion. I thought about Hillsborough Village in 2033. 10 years from now. Think about you 10 years ago. A lot happens in 10 years. Actually, real quick, right now, picture yourself 10 years ago. I think I just served my whole suspension at Belmont. Lots changed. A lot happens in 10 years. What's gonna happen here? Some of you are gonna start families. In 10 years, some of you are gonna be bringing kids here. That's wild. You might have a different career. You might have a different friend group. But I hope, prayerfully, all y'all are still a part of this church. Picture this church in 10 years. What do you want it to be like? Because the secret ingredient to this church being the ultimate dream church that you'd love for it to be is you. You're a huge piece of that puzzle. And when I think about what I want this church to be like, some of the things that come to my mind, when someone is experiencing deep grief, someone died, someone got diagnosed, someone lost their job, 
Someone got divorced. Someone had an affair. Someone suffering with a drug addiction and no one knows. I want them to not have to think very hard. I want them to have to choose from a list who to call from this church. I want them to struggle to choose between the seven names that they know they can depend on. Any of these names, I call that number right now with this problem, they will drive to my house and I will fall in their lap and bawl my eyes out and feel safe. That's what I want in this church. I want Sundays to feel like a family reunion where 90% of us have hugged at least four people. Just like, oh, it's been seven days. God, feels like a lifetime. <laughs> I love you. I greet you with a kiss of a saint. Mwah. I just know we're getting tired of me talking, so I'm trying to be funny. I want this to be a place that salvation is normal in your life. Your house church, void of my influence, void of any church leader. You're just seeing it happen because God's coming alive in you and your community is seeing the Holy Spirit work. This is a worthy exercise for you sometime this week. What do I want my church to look like in 10 years? And then how can I invest in that 10-year vision? Because God will do it. So as I segue us into communion, there's two things I want to invite you to think about. The first is individual, and the second we're going to do together because it wouldn't even make sense if we didn't do something together. First, God. How are you inviting me to invest in this community? Some of you might default into a volunteer team, and that's great. We always could use more volunteers. Amen, Taylor? And I hope you do. If you're a church member here and you're not a volunteer, you need to be. But also, God, who might you, might, who might you be inviting me to invest in in this church family? Who's that person I always notice, have never said what's up, but I always had this feeling like I need to go talk to that person. So just discern that with the Spirit. I'm gonna give you three minutes to start that prayer. Certainly it's not enough time to finish that prayer. And then after that, we're gonna circle up in groups of three or four, and we're literally just gonna pray for Ethos HV, that the Spirit of God would have his way, and we'll take communion.